Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Come on. I've got a, I've got a couple of examples of ways that I am reminded today that we serve a good God. I'm going to invite you to, uh, to celebrate each of those examples. The first example of a way that we know that we celebrate a good, that we serve a good God is that uh, somebody left their car running in the parking lot. And uh, you drive a Honda, maybe a CRV. You parked it right out here next to the ramp. Come on, somebody. I know it's true because I have your keys. They're right here. Here you go. Come on, celebrate. Come on, come on, come on, come get them. Come get them. Yeah, yeah. This is how you know we serve a good God. Number one, we're giving you back your keys, amen, right, right, right? And number two, anybody could have raised their hand and had a free car and nobody else took it. Look, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. Here's another way that we know we serve a good God. Ten years ago, I was sitting in the living room of what is now my house, and it was before it was our house. It was, uh, it was the offices of the church, and we were up way too late into the night. It was around midnight by the time we got done this conversation. And a lot of that conversation was driven by a whole team of people that wanted to, to do some introspection and make sure that I was the right guy for the call, that the Garcia family would be the right people to fill front pew right side. Um, but one of those people specifically was a good friend of ours and uh, somebody who we have grown to love. My wife has grown to, to shepherd and to mentor, and she, is, uh, she served faithfully with us with the relaunch down at Wissahickon. And has been an amazing support for our ministry here at Roxboro. And today marks a special transition moment where we're saying we love you to both Barb and Bruce. And we're wishing them well as they prepare to head into all that God has ahead of them. Out into the chocolate side of our state where everything smells like a kiss. We can't wait to come visit you there. But we're going to celebrate today uh, Barb and Bruce. And I wanted to do it this way. I went to my favorite store where everything cost a dollar, and I got as many things as I could afford to get them, and I put them all in this bag, and I wanted to give you some ideas of some things that we wanted to send you off with, things that we think will help you to, uh, to remember your time here at Roxborough and to remember the, the many, many great memories that we have together. For those who don't know, Barb and Bruce, uh, Bruce has been here almost since he was born, and Barb trailed just slightly behind him. And both of them have been there more than the majority of our, been here more than the majority of their lives. And uh, while they'll be gone from our presence uh, on a weekly basis, they won't be forgotten. So I thought there's some ways that we could celebrate you and, and help you to enjoy it. Look, these aren't Hershey because they don't sell them for a dollar at the can, at the at the can at the can. At the, they don't sell Hershey chocolate for a dollar at the candy store or at the dollar store, but they do sell chocolates. And so I got you chocolate. I want to get you ready for your time in Hershey. Right, right. This is just going to warm you up. So when you get out there, you're going to have your taste buds ready. Do you like chocolate? Bruce, you like chocolate? Barb, you don't like chocolate? All right, all right, all right. So, so uh, I got I got the chocolate with the peanut butter because with the peanuts because that's the kind that I like the most. And so when I come to visit, you know what to have for me. And then um. And then I got these chocolates. Now, Bruce, this is going to be helpful. This is just good thought. Like there's, there's some milk chocolate in here, and then there's some dark chocolate in here. But there's a couple of special chocolates. There's one that's got like a surprise in it. 
Yeah, that's a good one. And then there's one for the time that you mess up. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's a chocolate heart. You save that one and give it to her on the occasion, right? If you ever make the mistake, you were, yeah, all right, so there you go. That's going to be helpful. All right, if you know anything about Barb, you know that she is a student of the Word of God, and so is Bruce, but you know that Barb, she, you know, she gets her journal out when we're doing Bible study, and she's writing. And so, Barb, I got you these. These were discounted because they're from summer. You can put them away till next year. But look, when, when, you, when you crack this open, when you crack this open, I want you to fill this with many, many insights from your study in the Word of God out there. Because what we're expecting is that in the same way you've been growing here with us for the last 10 years and many years before that, that the two of you are going to be spiritual giants out there. You're going to continue to grow and mature in your faith. And we're expecting when we come to visit, we're going to open this book and we're going to be like, wow, you've been studying that. And we're going to be learning and growing from it. So you check that out. You fill this book up. Let us know if you need another one. They're cheap. We can send them to you. All right. Um, I think you're going to need a couple of things to do. Oh, I'm going too fast, Bruce. Sorry. I'm just so excited. I'm so, I'm excited. If I slow down, I'm going to cry. So I'm going to speed back up again. You're going to have to deal with it. You can watch this on replay. Um, Barb and Bruce, I know that you like to adventure, and I'm not sure if you're going to, if, if, if your adventure is just going to be going to the, the other side of the state or if you're going to adventure beyond that. But this picture will remind you of adventures, whether you get to have them or not. And you get to have an adventure putting it together. The pieces are about that big, and there's a hundred of them. So have a great time with that. You're going to do great with that. Oh, by the way, there's some pens so you don't run out of things to write with. And um, I got a candle just because I like the smell of it. Oh, man, it's so good. So enjoy that. And then we, now all the rest of the things I got you are things, I shouldn't say I got you. We got them for you. The church got them for you. Uh, all the rest of the things are things that we want to use to entice you to come back. Okay? And so, so from here forward, just understand what we're doing. So I got, we, we got you these nice little air fresheners in your car. You can put these in your car because we want you to spend a lot of time in your car driving from the middle of the state back to our side of the state. Okay? And so your car will smell nice and fresh. Make sure you do that. And then we would not expect you to come all the way back here on an empty tank of gas. So we're going to fill you up not once, but we're going to fill you up twice, right? So that's at least two trips, right? So we're expecting full use of those. And when you come, we know this over the last 10 years. When we get together, we got to eat, right? We got to eat. So Cracker Barrel, Cracker Barrel, yeah, we can even do some checkers while we're there. And then Applebee's so we can keep you right here in the neighborhood, you know, like right here in the neighborhood. So, look, we want you to have a great time with all that. There's some other things in here that you can enjoy as well. But Barb and Bruce, uh, more than anything, man, we, we just want you to know that you have been amazing for us. You have, you have helped us to grow and mature in our walk with the Lord. You've encouraged our souls. You have faithfully led in, in, in many capacities, both publicly and privately. We've watched you. We've watched your love for each other bud to the point of, of blessing with rings. We've watched you walk the aisle and we've celebrated those moments with you. And we're super excited for what God has ahead of you. So when we're crying now, it's simply because we're not going to see you every week. But we're still doing it with full anticipation and expectation that God is going to use you in great ways. Now, it's not too late to change your mind. I know a moving company, we can get your stuff and get it back here. Uh, no problem, no problem, but, but honestly, uh, we want you to go with the blessings of this church. And so we're going to invite you, you know, as much as you're able to come on up, and we're going to pray over you. We'd like to do that, and uh, we'll take our time with this. We'll give you a chance to get up here.
We'll get you, this is your chance to get the bag too and, uh, and all the goodies so you can start tasting the chocolate if you want. If you light the candle, we might get like a fire alarm going off. It could add a fun element to service today. Friends, I hope that all of you, and especially all the young people who are here today, I hope that, um, I hope that what you see right now is something that you'll be able to be a part of one day as well, where you will have spent decades in a church investing in the community and helping the congregation to grow and mature in their own walk with the Lord. And as a result, there will be many who are moved to tears as they say goodbye to you in whatever capacity is the Lord asks you to move on to. And, uh, and there will be many who leave encouraged by the way that God has, uh, has really used you in that place during that time. If you're an elder or a, uh, a deacon here in the life of the church, serving or not serving, or if you're on staff at the church, we ask you to come forward. We're going to lay hands and pray over Barb and Bruce. Come on, Courtney, we're waiting on you. Let's go. All right, here we go. All are welcome. If you're sitting out there with us and you're not up here with us in the front, that's okay. We just simply ask you to extend your hand in this direction. When you extend your hand in this direction, you're simply saying by, by, by matter of proxy, you're just saying, I, I, I trust that God is going to use this time, and I affirm what is happening here in the sanctuary. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray over Barb and Bruce. Mighty God, would you, would you be present and lead in this moment, God? Thank you for the many years of giftedness that we have experienced together with this, this amazing couple. Thank you for the ways that they are growing in you even in this moment, God. Thank you for the ways they've encouraged our hearts and souls. God, as you prepare to send them from here to the other side, God, the other side of the state, God, I pray that you would... Uh, I pray that you go before them, God. I pray that you would prepare uh, friends in their new community to meet them and greet them and to spend time with them. God, I pray that you prepare a church to embrace them and, and for the pastors on staff there to, to invest in them. But God, I also pray that, that they would know that they're always and only a phone call away, God, that they can, they can call upon this place and the people here, God, that the relationships they've invested in and built here will be ones that would stand the test of time. God, I pray that uh, you would grow them, continue to grow them in their walk and their love for one another. God, might Bruce continue to be a man of God and Barb continue to be a woman of God, that together they would exemplify the work of your spirit, both present now and ahead of them. Oh, Father God, I thank you. God, I thank you for that you gave Barb vision many years ago to to, uh, to sit on a team and to invite this relationship that we can stand in now. God, I thank you for the ways that they have uh, publicly and privately encouraged me and kept me going in ministry. God, I pray over them. Father, thank you for their faithful attendance and work down at Wissahickon as we seek to replant and relaunch that community. God, we pray your blessing over that as well. Father, I don't know who you will raise up to sit in their seat and to stand in their place. But whoever it is, there are great shoes to fill. And so, God, we begin to prepare for all that is being left vacant as a result of Barb and Bruce moving on. We pray, God, that in the same faithful way that you raised them up, you would raise up others to stand, stand in, their gap, in that gap, God. But, God, today, might they know the love and embrace of the Father, the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the physical presence of the local church in their lives. 
Lord, we love them. Be ahead of them for all that they might do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate them. We are asking Barb and Bruce to spend some time with us during fellowship hour out in the Welcome Center, and so we'll give them a chance then to, to say any special goodbyes that they would like and to, to, uh, to greet each of us in any way they'd like, but please hang out. At this time, we're going to invite all the kids from our church. If you're here visiting and uh, on the project, we're, this, this is not your moment, but all the kids from Roxborough, if you're uh, uh, up through fifth grade and you're heading out for kids' church, you can see Mel. She's ready to go. And those who are here from the project, I got a special word for you, so don't go anywhere. You stay here. We're going to have a great time together. Let's pray as the kids go. Oh, we're going to celebrate them kids that are going. Go ahead. We love you guys. Go learn about Jesus. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Church, while they're going, I, wanna, I want to point to your, uh, bring to your attention the many ways that the young people around us have served with us this week. We had, some, some, we had some of our own kids who headed downtown to Center City to spend the day with some folks who were experiencing homelessness, and, and uh, we, we sent a group down there. That was a great time. We had some folks um, who came here and served at our site. They, they worked on our community garden, and they built some walls down in the nursery to prepare that for some of the uh, changing spaces that we have. And they did a great job with that. Matter of fact, if you were helping to build uh, a wall down in the nursery, put your hand out. Let's see who was building walls. Look at all them kids. They was they was doing hammers and and they was they was. I I saw people on power saws. They took pictures. They sent home to mom and dad. They were like, we still have them. It was great, you know. Um, and then we, we had some people who were in some of our neighbors' houses around Philly doing some work. If you were at Miss Lola's or Miss Carter's, anybody here? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Some folks who were back there for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then there were some people who went down to Wissahickon. Anybody here that went to Wissahickon? Yeah. That group was serving over at Wissahickon. Man, God was doing some great, great things. And so if you're here and you came, on, uh, came to the project and you served with us, thank you so much. Thanks for continuing to remind us of the faithful ways that God is leading people and the many things that God is calling us and charging us to do. Um, friends, we're going we're gonna to be uh, in, uh, as, we, as we look together, we'll be in Mark chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it'll probably pop up on the screen in just a moment. But Mark chapter 12 is where we'll be. Uh, we're going to look at the parable of the tenants, the parable of the tenants. And how many of you, b before we even look at it, just by show of hands, this, I promise you there is no judgment. There is no judgment because I'll, I'll tell you, my hand would not go up for this. How many of you are really, really familiar with this passage? Yeah? A couple of you? When I, when I, I mean, look, I have read this passage probably, you know, uh, a, a number, number, number of times. But when I read the passage this week in preparation for the sermon, I was just like blown away. I was like, man, like. I forgot about this. I forgot about this parable. And so, uh, wow, I was, I was super encouraged. And um, as you'll see in the, in the passage, I was, I was kind of convicted as well. Here's what the passage says. Mark chapter 12, starting in the first verse. And Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. And this is the parable that he told. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it and he dug a pit for the wine press and built a watchtower. And then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. 
But they seized him, and they beat him, and they sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them, and they struck this man on the, on the head, and they treated him shamefully. So he sent another servant, and that one they killed. He sent many others. Some of them they beat, and others they killed. He had one left to send, and it was a son, his son whom he loved. And he sent him, last of all, saying, they will surely respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him, and they killed him, and they threw him out in the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to another. Haven't you read this passage of Scripture? The stone this, the, the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders looked, looked for a way to arrest Jesus because they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. But they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and they went away. Jesus, I pray as we look at this parable, I pray, Father, you would help us to understand a bit more of what you're saying. Lead us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen. All right, so look, check it out. This parable tells us uh, a number of things, and uh, we're going to look at four points that we're going to draw out of this parable today. We'll do that together. But before we do that, I want to just kind of help this begin to make sense for us. So the first thing we notice when we read the parable is that the parable tells us that there is a landowner, a landowner, and specifically that that landowner is the one who initiates what will eventually be the harvest. He is the one who plants in the field. It's really interesting. You've got to know this from the beginning of the story. It says that, that is, he says, Jesus then began to speak to them, and he said, there was a man who planted in the vineyard. He was the one, it was his vineyard, and he was the one who chose to plant in it. He also is the one who went on to build the walls, and he dug this pit for the wine press, and, and that's kind of a cool thought, you know, you kind of, just real quick to help you understand, like the vineyard, it's kind of like our garden. Just imagine it filled with grapes, right? And fresh, juicy grapes. And then people are going to come out there and they're going to begin to collect those grapes. And some of those grapes are going to fall to the ground and get stomped on a little bit. And, and as that happens, just like everything else, you everything runs in a downward slope. So this man had a great idea. He said, I'm going to dig a pit. And I'm going to let all the juice from the grapes run down. And when it runs down, it will gather together in this pit where we'll be able to collect this crushed, these crushed grapes, this juice, right? And so part of his idea is this, um, the ways in which the vineyard would be constructed. Whose plan was it? It was his. It was his vineyard. And he chose to use it. I think we live in a world today that we're upside down in. Say the word upside down. There you go. I think we're upside down in the world we live in today. Let me give you an illustration of why I think that. 
when you were when you were itty bitty, right? You looked at mom and dad, and they were working. And as they were working, they were trying to gather as much as they could to provide for you, right? Thumbs up if that's a familiar experience, right? Nothing wrong with that, but this is kind of what had to happen. Whether it was mom and dad or grandma or uncle or aunt or, or whoever it was to help bring you up, they had to keep the roof on the house and they had to keep the food on the table and they had to keep clothes on your back, right? And so they did whatever it took to do that. And at some point along, it got passed on to you like, hey, and when you were itty-bitty, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow up in such a way like these young kids are doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do great things, and that's really good. And then in addition to doing great things, like I'm going to study hard at school so I can get a good. Come on, who said it? Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Right, right. I'm going to study hard at school so I can get a good job, right? I'm going to go get a good job one day, and then I'm going to be able to put clothes on the back and a roof on the house and food on the table, right? Amen? That's familiar? Familiar? Young people, you think that's a good idea? Right? It's not a bad idea. There's nothing wrong with that idea. But here's the upside down thing. Most of us treat this life, this life right here, like it lasts forever. And we treat the life that we're stepping into as if it's a temporary thing. Here's where we're upside down, right? We spend all of our waking days trying to figure out how to make the most of this life. We buy things and we celebrate things and we have slogans over everything that suggest that this is it. One of my heroes in the faith is a man named Albert Tate. He's a modern-day evangelist and preacher, pastor out in California, and uh, when asked recently, you know, what is one misleading thing that the world has taught us to believe that isn't true? And he said, he, and they interviewed him, and he said this. He said, I was taught to believe that I could be anything I wanted to be. How many of us have heard that before? You could be whatever you want to be. You could do whatever you want to do. He said, that's a lie. He says, as a little boy, I was told I could be anything I wanted to be. I spent the rest of my days thinking I was going to be the next Michael Jordan. He turned sideways to the camera. He said, look at me. He said, there's nothing in me that looks like Michael Jordan except my haircut. I can't dribble or shoot. You can't be whatever you want to be, but you can be the best you can be at what God is asking you to be. All right? We're upside down. We bought this idea that this is it, that if I would just run the fullest I could here in this place, that I would have made it. When in reality, this is a training ground for an eternal life. This is a temporary fix for a permanent situation. I'm not going to spend too much time today talking about life that happens after this life, but let me say it this way. I believe the Bible says that there are two experiences that happen after this life. And every one of us gets to experience one of the two. The first option is that everybody who has tr trusted in Jesus to be the Lord of their life, during this life, you enter into an eternal relationship with God that lasts forever. We talk about that in the form of heaven. We talk about that as heaven coming to earth. We talk about that as being in direct relationship and, uh, and communion with God. The other option is, for everybody who says, I'm not interested in that, God honors your choice. God honors your choice. You make a choice in this life to say, I'm not interested in you, God. And God honors that choice and does not force himself upon you into eternity. 
but he allows you the desire of your heart, which is to be separated from God forever. We talk about that in the form of hell. I don't know a lot about what hell will look like, but I know this. God's not present, and I don't want to be either. Right? That's enough for me to say, I don't want to be there. That's not the place I want to spend my forever. So today, if you don't hear anything else, and especially for you young people who are way tired, I know you're way tired, try to lean in on this one thing. If you don't hear anything else, if you don't hear anything else, lean in on this. The life we live now is brief. But in this brief life, we have the greatest opportunity of all time, which is to say yes to a forever relationship with God. And so young people and old people alike, this parable reminds us of this, of this entire truth. Let's break it down together. The first point I want you to take with you as we think about the parable is this. The land and the first fruits of the land belong to God. The land and the first fruits of the land belong to God. Let me make sense of that for you really quickly. So what happens in the story is the landowner plants in the vineyard. And then he says, okay, I've done my work. I've planted in this. I'm going to rent out my land to some other people. And I'm going to come back once a year and I'm going to collect an offering from the land. Yeah, so in, in, in terms of the vineyard thing, you know, I'm, not, I'm not great at this. You're probably better at this than me. But, uh, but in the vineyard thing like, or in any of the crops, like it has to do with the first crops being the best crops. And God says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take some of the best crops. And then all the rest of the crops are yours. You can do whatever you want with them. And that was, that's what was happening in that story. So he would, the landowner was coming back and he was collecting what was rightfully his. But we know how the story goes because we just read it. And we know that there's some, there's some hiccups in that plan, right? There's some people who do the wrong thing in that story. You all saw that, right? Come on, come on, get with me. You all saw that, right? If you didn't get that, I just read you a story about people who got beat up, people who got killed, people who got shamed on the street, and they kept going back for more. It's crazy if you actually think about it. So I'm going to hopefully make more sense of this. But as the story goes, it suggests this. It says that the land and the first fruits of the land, they belong to God. Now, here's how this makes sense to us. If the first fruits are meant to be the best that we offer, how are you giving God your best? Come on, pay attention up here. If the first fruits are meant to be the best that we offer, how are you giving God your best? Let me give you some practical applications. Let me talk to the adults in the room. Today is probably the best day or the worst day of your life. I don't know which one. And it happens every year, right around this time. Here on this side of the state, we call that daylight savings. You either love it or you despise it, right? You're, nobody's indifferent about it. You really have an opinion about this. You're like, huh. I hate that this day is coming. Or I want to move to Arizona, the only place in the world that you don't have to switch anything, right? Only place in our country you don't have to switch the clocks. But, but either way, right, like this is it. You're like, I'm either for it or I'm against it, right? Well, the reason why is because of how you're made up. Like you're either somebody who gets up in the morning like, whoo, I'm excited. Or you're somebody like, whoa, I'm eventually going to get excited, but I got to get the day behind me first, right? How many of you are awake in the morning? You just, you're excited for the day. How many of you get excited around 4 o'clock in the afternoon? You're like, my day is really beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many is still, that's still too early. You're thinking more like 7. Anybody a 7 o'clock at night person? You're like, woo, wind the clock. We're getting ready now. Okay. All right, so some of you are in that spot, right? So watch this. Whatever time is your best time, what do you do with that time? 
No, this is a real question I want you to answer internally. Whatever time is your best time, just identify it as like a 15 or a 30-minute block in your life, in your day. Whatever your best time of day is, what do you do with that? Do you give it to your job? Do you give it to your family? You don't have to raise your hand on this. We're not talking out loud. Do you give it to your job? Do you give it to your family? Do you do, you, do, you, uh, do you do something personal for you? Like, what do you do with your best 15 or 30 minutes of your day? Here's my challenge to you. God says, give me your best. God says, give me your best. I, I, when I jump out of bed at 5.30 in the morning, that's late, and, and I am excited. I am excited for the day. So when I was thinking about this, I was challenged. I was like, because here's my routine. I'm going to give you the full routine, right? I jump out of bed. I'm like, woo, get this. I do it a little quieter so I don't wake Michelle up. But I'm like, woo, get this day started, right? And then, and then I fast track all the way in, get all the bathroom things done that I need to do. And I'm out the door and I'm ready to get my day going. Man, I'm so excited about that. Somewhere in there I put clothes on and stuff like that. But I'm so excited about that. And I read this and I was like. If giving God my best is really part of the call, maybe 5.30 to 6 needs to look like something different. Dude, God, why you got to do that? Messing with my routine. <clears throat> but I charge you and I challenge you. Think about this. If we are called to give God our first roots, our best, then what are you doing with that? Don't just think about it in terms of time. What about talent? What about resources? Right? How are you doing at giving God your best? Saying, God, before I go do anything else, this is yours. Let's be real for a moment. Since COVID, we have not passed a plate. We have not passed a plate since COVID. For all those reasons of people like, I don't know how I feel about the plate coming around and people touching it, all those kind of things. And so we put the box over here. That's great. And many of you are very faithful to be like, hey, I'm going to give God my best. You drop it in the box. But some of you, maybe the challenge in charge right now is to hear God saying, hey, give me your best. Don't give me what's left. Give me your best. Don't go out to eat and bring me the change. Give me what's mine and then use what's left for whatever it is that God has ahead of you. But give me your best. Some of us need to hear that challenge in that word today. Let's move on. Um, the second point I want us to get is this. There is a time for the harvest. I need to speed up here because I'm going to run out of time myself. But there is a time for the, a set time for the harvest. Watch this. There's a lie that we all bought in a movie made by Disney many years ago. No offense, Disney. I love all things you do. But there's a lie that we, maybe it wasn't even Disney. Maybe it was Warner Brothers, so forgive me for that. But there was, a, maybe it was somebody else. I don't even remember. But there's, there's a movie that was produced, right? Maybe I'm not even seeing the movie. I'm just making this up. But it was a movie that was produced about an imaginary uh, baseball field. Anybody know the movie I'm talking about? Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams, right? Which isn't imaginary anymore. They've now made that place. It's real. You can go visit it. All right, so watch this. What's the line from Field of Dreams? Come on, what is it? That's a lie. That's a lie. If you build it, they will come. That's a lie. It's not true. But we all believed it, didn't we? We were like, oh, let's just, let's erect it. We make it and everybody will just show up. Really? Because if we've learned anything in the last 18 months, it's that if you don't work the soil, nothing produces from it. If we've learned anything in the last 18 months, it's that if you don't actually work the soil, 
nothing will produce from it. So let me say it this way. God is the one who says it's time for the harvest. It's not us. It's not our imagination of what we would build or what we would do. It's actually God who says, hey, son, it's time. It's actually God who says, now is the time. And when he says it's time, and it doesn't matter if you're this age or this age, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, like if you have a lot going for you, if you feel like you have nothing going for you, when God calls it the harvest, he is the one who says it's time. We see that in the story, right? There's a set time when harvest happens. Here's the illustration I gave last night. I think it makes a lot of sense. When I was itty-bitty, my mom would say, hey, Ray, get in the car. Where are we going? It doesn't matter where we're going. Get in the car. All right? And so I get in the car, and my brother would get in the car, and my granddad would get in the car, and we'd, just, we'd set off on what seemed like a forever journey of two hours away where we would drive over here to the middle of nowhere, not Philly, but past Philly, out into the middle of, like, all the spaces where Barb and Bruce are going to go live, right? And on the way to the places where Barb and Bruce are going to go live, we would drive this every October. Why would we do it? Come on. Yeah, yeah. What is it called? Foliage. Yeah. I heard that the leaves change colors. And we would get in a car. Look out the window. What am I looking at? Leaves. We have them at home. But they don't change colors the way they do out here. Mom, I can't see colors anyway. It doesn't matter. We would drive out here to the other side of the state and be like, look, there's leaves. They're changing colors. We never did that in September, in June, in July, in, in, in May. We did it every year in October. Why? Because God designed it being that moment when, when leaves would change colors. Now, it didn't matter how many times I said, hey, leaves change in May so I don't have to come in October. They never changed. It didn't change anything. It was only in the set time that God had ordained that this would happen. Watch this, y'all. There's a set time for you to grow up. There's a set time for you to get deep in the word of God. There's a set time for you to be grounded with Christ. God has set that time for you. God has ordained that moment for you. And God is using this moment to say, hey, I'm calling it to harvest. I'm calling it to harvest. All right, so I hope you're with me. So watch this. This is what it says in the story. In, in the second verse, it says, at harvest time. Y'all get that? There was a time for the harvest. And that time was right then. At the harvest time, the landowner knew when that time would be. And so now here's where the story goes crazy. Friends, look at me, especially you young people who are like, why am I listening to this story? I just want you to hear the craziness of this story and tell me, like, man, like, wow, I can't, I can't even imagine what that would have been like, right? So, so watch, he says, at the harvest time, the landowner sent his servants to go collect some of the fruit from the vineyard. But the people who were taking care of the vineyard, the tenants, they seized him and they beat him up. Good idea, bad idea. It's a bad idea, right? So, you know, the guy gets beat up. He eventually makes his way back to the landowner. He's like, comes back with a bruised eye and a busted arm. And he's like, hey, the, the, the guy's over there at the field. They, 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 they didn't treat me right. If you were the landowner, what would you do? What would you do? Oh, woo, 
first of all, I'm nervous on that story, all kind of reasons. Number one, you said you're a shotgun. That makes me nervous right there. And then, and then number two, man, you just went there, right? Okay, look, I'm not, I'm not too far, I'm behind you, but I'm not too far behind you, okay? Like, all right, on the first occasion, on the first occasion, I would not do that. I would not do that. But I'd be pretty frustrated, okay? Who's frustrated with me? Who's like, that, that, that's not how it should have gone down. All right, so now I'm going to send somebody who's a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger to give a little more intimidating kind of way when he's going to collect, his, uh, collect my fruits. And so um, I'm sending him. Now the story says the first guy gets beat up, the second guy doesn't get treated so well, the third guy gets killed. And then it doesn't stop. It says then there's a whole nother number of people that got sent, many of them that got beat up and some of them that got killed. So you can figure out what that number is, but it's more than one and less than whatever big number you're thinking of, right? It's a whole lot, but, but not everybody, right? Either way, at some point as the owner, don't you just say, hey, I'm done with this. I'm not sending anybody else. Come on, wouldn't you say that? Right? Like at some point you just count your losses, right? Say, I'm done. Okay, maybe, maybe that's how you would do it. That's how I think I would be in, I'd be in that spot. If not, maybe, maybe you're in this spot. How many of you would be willing to go? You got the report on what happened to everybody else. Would you be willing to say, hey, guys, send me? Are you saying sign me up? I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I might say sign me up depending on, like, am I a lot bigger than everybody else? But if some of those guys were bigger than me and they didn't, they didn't win the day, I'm not saying sign me up. I'm like, yo, boss, somebody else got to go on this one. Like, send my brother. He's bigger than me. Either way, the story says, Jesus tells this parable, and he says, the landowner sent many people, and none of them had the traction that, that the landowner wanted. God was going to do something in this story. So here it is. The third thing we see in this story is that our reclamation was an expensive project. You know, from the very beginning of, 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 the, of, the, of the Bible, God is doing one thing. He's reclaiming you. So look at me, young people, watch this. God made us. We said, God, I'm not so interested in you anymore. And God said, I'm going to spend the rest of your life, the rest of your life, helping you to know how interested I am in you. Right? So we, were, we belong to God. And then we said, God, I'm good without you. And then God said, you might be good without me, or you might think you're good without me, but I'm going to spend the rest of your life helping you to understand how much I want you back. And that, my friends, was a very expensive project. We see that in the story. The, land, the, the landowner says, I want those first fruits. That's an expensive task. I send my best guys, they get beat up, they get killed. I send some other guys, they get beat up, they get killed. I send some other guys, they get beat up, they get killed. What's, how does the story end? He says, I've got one guy left to send. Who is it? It's my son. Sorry, bud. It didn't work out well for everybody else, but... But, but surely, if I send my son who looks like me and he talks like me, someday he'll even have my haircut. In the Old Testament, Esther, he would have had my ring and he would have been able to sign for me. Like, he, like, if I send him, nobody would deny him because they'll know he belongs to me. 
But that's not how the story goes. Not only do they deny him, they kill him. They reject him. Trying to tell us how much he loves us has been a very expensive project. So why? This is why. Jesus promised that he will return and that we will be invited to be with him. Watch this, y'all. The promise from the beginning of the word of God to the end of the word of God is that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, my daddy has space for all of you. And if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you that. But because it is so, I will go and I'll prepare a place and then I'll come back and I'll take you to be with me. That's what Jesus said. That's what he said to his disciples. And he said, oh, don't worry. You know where I'm going and you know how to get there. Where is he going? I started this message off today by saying, after this life, there's two realities. There's only two destinations. There's no middle ground here. You're either with God forever or not. And Jesus says, I'm going to the place that's with God forever. And I'm just getting it ready. I'm going to get the balloons hung up. And I'm going to make sure the carpet's vacuumed. I'm even going to pick out the paint that's going on the wall. I'm going to get it ready. And when it's ready, I'm coming back for you. So watch this. My friends, all the way in the back, all the way to the front, pay attention to this. Chris on the board, pay attention to this. Everybody watch this. Jesus has an agenda. And his agenda is to prepare forever for you and to prepare you for forever. Did you hear that? Jesus has an agenda. And that's to get that place out there, wherever that is and whatever that looks like, to get it ready. And while he's doing that, he's also at work in you and me, getting us ready. Friends, when I show up at the door, the guy that comes to that door to say, God, I'm coming in. He's had God at work in him all the way until that moment. And that work comes to completion when I step through that gate. All that God has been doing in this life to ready me for forever comes to completion when we get there. When I came to faith at the age of 16, I came to faith in a bilingual church. And uh, I didn't know a lot about God coming up until that moment, but... There are some thing, or many things that have stuck with me from those earliest moments of my Christian faith. One of the things that stuck with me was uh, we had a youth group that was, you know, about eight of us that would get together every week. And, and we would sing some, some songs in a circle. We would just sit together and sing. And, 
and, and man, I was overwhelmed by like the, 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 the sense of like purpose and, and belonging and the, 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 the nature of people caring for me. But this one song that we sang that just, I, I, like I can rem- I'm not going to sing it. I can remember it in my head. I can remember it in English and in Spanish, and it confuses me still because of the crossover of that in my brain. But the theme of the song was that they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And so I was thinking about that song this week as I was preparing our message, and, uh, and, and I found it. There's a group called King and Country, and they've done a newer rendition of this same song. And so I want to invite you to hear that song now and, uh, and, and to be as encouraged by the song as I am from the childhood memories that I have of it.
That is, that is, uh, that is our prayer. Our prayer is that the gospel that gets communicated by the way we live our lives is one that communicates to everybody that God is at work here, that God is doing something great, that God is maturing us up to be men and women who are faithful leaders that are, that are, that are serving in a, in a great capacity. We're reminded of that by folks young and old alike who are doing that in great ways, and so I want to celebrate that and say thank you. But I also want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, Say yes to the God of, har- God of the harvest. Say yes that God, now's the time. You're calling my life to harvest. You're saying, God, you, God, you're saying that you want me, and I accept that. I receive that. I also want to just kind of point out as we wrap up here this morning this. I said, I said somewhere in the middle of the message that we bought a lie, that the field of dreams, that if you build it, they will come. I said the reason that, and I want to tell you the reason why that's a lie. It's not that if we build it, they will come. If we yield to God, he will use it. That's the truth. God did this so that we could do this. That we could kneel before him and yield our lives. So God, call us to harvest. Awaken the world around us. Because of the good news of the gospel that you have changed lives. That you're inviting us to know you. That you're offering us eternity. That you're giving the gift of new life freely to everybody who would desire it. But God, I want you to use me. Use me. Allow me to be a part of the great harvest. Allow me to be someone who gathers for you. But in order to do that, God, I come this way. My hands are open. My hands are open. Use them in any way you want for whatever you want as we go forward from here. Pastor Charlie pointed out a couple of things. Let me just remind you of two of them before we move into our time of uh, celebrating the table together. If you're challenged from this message to get deeper into the word, I want to say to you, our small groups are ready for you. They're ready for you. And they're without excuse. There's one just about every day of the week. So find your best and get into a group. Get in there. Say, I'm here. I'm showing up. Michelle and I will be leading a group for couples. Pastor Crawford and, and, and Lady Bev are going to lead a group for couples as well. There's a, there's a Bible study that happens on Wednesdays down at Wissahickon. There are plenty of opportunities for you to plug in. Get into a group where you can get deeper into the Word of God. That's first. Second. Some of you have been sitting here and been on the fence with us for a long time. Maybe you've been with us for years and you never took that step to say, I'm going to become a member of this community. If that's you, if you hear me and your name is not currently here listed as a member, let's change that. Next week, 915, show up and be a part of our membership class and keep asking the questions as we go through the class. Like, do I want to take that next step? So I want to make myself available to what God would do in my life through this community here at Roxbury. And if so, then we'll trust what God does over the course of those four or five weeks where you at the end get to make a decision about whether Roxborough is your permanent home, your permanent address um, as a member here with us. I'm believing God is doing great things in your life, and I'm believing that God wants to continue to do so. You might look over here to my right, to your left, and as we prepare for the time of communion, you might see uh, back in the shadows, you'll see some colors on the wall. We're trying to figure that out. If you've got an eye for color, see me after church. 
because uh, I just told you the colorblind guy is picking out the color for the sanctuary. So if you've got an eye for color, see me after church. It's the last call. Last call. Last call. God did not die on the cross for us to be able to pick out colors in the sanctuary. God did not die on the cross for us to have opinions about colors in the sanctuary. God died on the cross so that you and I could have an invitation to forever to be with him. Here at Roxborough Church, we take communion together. And the way that we do that here post-COVID is that we do it through these little cups that have the communion uh, elements in them. If you did not get one and you're an adult in the room, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. If you didn't get one and you're an adult in the room and you'd like one, we'll be coming around to make sure that happens. If we for some reason run out, the grace is sufficient even when our cups are not. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, cool. Let's prepare our hearts as Pastor, Pastor Charlie makes it around with any, any, uh, any elements. for. We're going to start with the adults in the room first as Pastor Charlie makes it around. Let's prepare our hearts with a prayer. Father God, I pray that you would be present in this moment, Lord. You have met with us here in your word. You've met with us in song. You've received our songs that we've sung, God. You've even, you've even sat with us as we, as we shed a tear and, and, and sang our goodbyes to Barb and Bruce. But God, more than anything today, God, we're sensing you're calling us to harvest. God, you're saying now is the time. Now is, now is the time. This is the moment, God, where you're, you're awakening something within us, where you're saying, like, all the fruit that's been at work and growing in your life, it's time for it to, to bud and to build good fruit, to uh, bring an offering to the house of the Lord. So, God, I pray that what we're experiencing here as we take communion together is, is the taste of the goodness of God. It's the taste of the promise that's, that God, you are, uh, the work that you're up to is good, and you're seeing it to harvest. And some of us are feeling, feeling motivated to run in your direction, and some of us are feeling convicted for having run in the other directions. God, now's the time. Call us back. Plant us with you. Plant us in this house with these people that we would grow and mature in our faith together, that we would seek the lost, that we would win some. On the night before Jesus died, before the night before he was arrested, the last night of freedom that he had, but we gathered together with his closest friends and he had a meal. And that meal would have been very ordinary in that moment, except for Jesus doing the extraordinary things there. Jesus took bread and gave thanks to the Father and, and then he broke it. And he shared it with his disciples and he said, this bread is, it's my body. And my body has been broken for you. And while they might not have fully understood what was happening in that moment, God was fully present with them in that moment and has been in every moment before and after. And so church, I say to us today, and in as much as we understand, and yet in even greater ways than we even could understand, God is present here right now and saying to you, this is my body that's been broken for you. And as you take your wafer and you place it into your mouth, be reminded of the price that God paid for you, that you would know just how much he loves you. The body of Christ has been broken for you.
same way after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant. It's the blood of Christ that's been shed for you. And his blood represents the washing and the cleansing and the renewing that doesn't just happen once, but happens daily, over and over and over again for you. Paul said to the church that he loved, he said, every time we take the cup, every time we take the bread and we drink from the cup, we proclaim all that Christ has done. But hear this today. It doesn't end with the proclamation of what he's done. It offers the promise that he's coming back again. So with full hope and full anticipation, the work of God is at work in us, and he'll see it to completion. The blood of Christ has been shed for you. Jesus, would you seal in us all that you've done? Would you see it to completion? Would you remind us that now is the time of the harvest? And God, I know I said that I might look and say, send my brother. He's bigger than me. And I might be tempted to say that. Because look, running out there into the harvest, it's hard work. But God, if you'll send me, I'll go. God, if you'll send me, I'll go. And I believe that those under the sound of my voice that many of them would say the exact same thing. That we would count the cost. And we would say, God, if you'll send me, I'll go. Who's the lost person in my life who needs to know you? I'll go. Where is it that they, that they need to see a witness of God in word and deed? I'll go. How is it that someone needs to experience hope? I'll go. Sign me up. Send me out. Do something amazing, even if it means moving to Hershey. Oh, God, thank you that we never outgrow your appointment. We never outgrow the moments that you have predetermined for us. But thank you, God, that you continue to invite us. The harvest is near. And even while the workers are few, in my sight, I see many. Do something great, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. I want to invite you to go ahead and stand to your feet. I believe we have one song that we'll close with. And then I want to remind you, if you're new with us, if you're visiting with us and you'd like to learn more about what's going on. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, 
visit our website at roxboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.